Good evening, Lafayette. Glad to be with you here today. It's Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPEL 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation or go check out the KPEL app. Download it if you've got to, but you can send a message through the app chat feature. Like Scott, just checking in on the app. Scott, I think you, you must be out on the road again. Drive safe, Scott. It is your 5 o'clock news cruise. want you all to drive safe. Our news crew is brought to you by our friends at Service Chevrolet right around the corner at 1212 Ambassador Caffrey in Lafayette. Glad to have them as a sponsor of the show. So the big news of the day is uh, Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell has announced he's stepping out. I want to take a couple minutes to just talk about him real quick before I move on to some of the other news of the day. Uh, you've heard I mean, he uh, he announced midday. So by now you've heard uh, Dan Bongino and Sean Hannity talk about it. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it, except I, I do want to note a couple things. I have for years referred to Mitch McConnell as the greatest villain the conservative movement has ever known. He's like the Lex Luthor of, of the Republican Party. Uh, he acts oftentimes like he has the best interest of the Republican Party at heart, but Oftentimes it's more he's serving the establishment and, and others and, and not doing great things for the Republican Party. However, however, it needs to be said in all fairness to Mitch McConnell. He will go down as one of the most influential and powerful Senate leaders in American history. He will. That's, that's just going to be a fact. Without Mitch McConnell... We would not have the Supreme Court makeup that we have right now. We would not have the judicial makeup across the country that we have right now because the Republicans under Mitch McConnell wielded so much power and control over judicial nominations when Republicans had control of the chamber. It was the Federalist Society and Mitch McConnell who presented a list of potential Supreme Court candidates to Donald Trump before Donald Trump was sworn in. And it was Mitch McConnell who guided Trump's decisions on that. And it was Mitch McConnell who got those three conservative justices through the Senate chamber. And Roe versus Wade was overturned. Mitch McConnell will have, he will go down as one of the most impactful Republicans the Senate has ever known. And to be fair, he deserves that. However, Mitch McConnell has also acted against the interest of conservatism in favor of big government. He is one of those types who believes that you can't really shrink government. You can just make it big, but wield it in a Republican way rather than a Democratic way. And that will be part of his legacy. But the, the history books will record him as the Republican who guided the Senate toward uh toward getting a, a conservative majority on the Supreme Court. So that that's what I want to say about Mitch McConnell. I want to move on from there because there's a lot more to talk about. I want to focus on a state news story for this first part of the show. It's an issue I talked about recently regarding Bill Cassidy. It's related to that. This is a story from WBRZ. West Feliciana Parish Hospital receives 150 to 200 emergency calls a month. Its emergency room sees 6,000 people a year. If its doors were to close, 200 emergency phone calls would go unanswered and about 6,000 patients would be unseen. 
That's the importance of a rural hospital. A new report by healthcare consulting firm Chartis identified more than 25% of Louisiana's rural hospitals as vulnerable to closure. The analysis was based on indicators such as decreasing reimbursements, declining operating margins, and staffing shortages. Since Chartis' initial report four years ago, 30 hospitals once identified as vulnerable to close have since shut their doors. The repercussions of closing rural hospital doors are catastrophic for two reasons. They put, envir- they put rural, residentials, uh, rural residents' health at risk, and they create economic ramifications. It's a lot when you consider that hospitals are critical to those 30 environments, said Lee uh, Chaston, CEO at West Feliciana Parish Hospital, on the impact of recent closures. Rural hospitals are known as safety nets, hospitals that provide health care to individuals regardless of their insurance status. This relates to the Cassidy issue. Bill Cassidy is actively going after the 340B program. It's a government rule that mandates pharmaceutical companies must offer their drugs at a discount to rural health care providers. These are areas that are often lower income that meet the needs of a lot of people who would otherwise not get them. A lot of hospitals cannot afford to buy the drugs because they are so small, because they have uh, they don't have a whole lot of income, but they are still necessary to their communities. They still have to be open and run to serve their communities. But when drug companies are charging an ungodly amount for some basic necessities, it hurts these hospitals and it hurts the people in those areas. They cannot take on the financial burden of a lot of these drugs when drug companies are trying to raise prices on them. Bill Cassidy is endorsing that. Bill Cassidy is supporting. Bill Cassidy himself wants to investigate the 340B program and is on more than one occasion hinted he wants to get rid of it. And he was a doctor who, by the way, worked in a hospital that benefited from the 340B program. Now, in Lafayette, this doesn't make much of a difference for us. We're a city. We have a, a few hospitals in the area. We have several healthcare facilities in the area. But what about nearby rural parishes? What about Vermilion Parish? It's more of a rural area. What about other areas around Acadiana that are more rural, don't have as many options for health care? West Feliciana Hospital? has one ambulance. It's the parish's sole ambulance. They're considered a critical access hospital. To qualify for that status, they must have fewer than 25 beds and be located in a rural community. West Feliciana Parish Hospital also has the parish's sole ambulance, according to WBRZ. We're the only ambulance service in the community, and if they're not contracting with the hospital, then those patients don't have routine ambulance services or routine physician services, Chaston said. So we see this as a big problem, and in fact, if it continues, it may be the final nail in the coffin for rural health. Bill Cassidy needs to understand the consequences of supporting, really, the Democratic agenda of trying to get rid of 340B, because Democrats, by and large, are the party that are trying to get rid of this. It's funny because Democrats used to be the party that would go all in against big corporations like the big pharmaceutical companies. But something happened. COVID-19. 
And during COVID-19, these pharmaceutical companies came up with these COVID vaccines. and The Democrats were able to use these and get a mandated and make a whole lot of social changes through the drug companies. And the drug companies had their backs and the drug companies gave them a bunch of money. And as a result, the Democrats love them now. And the Democrats are going after rural hospitals through the 340B program. Rural hospitals serve largely Republican constituencies. And Bill Cassidy is all on board with going after these hospitals, going after the 340B program. Now, Bill Cassidy's not trying to shut down hospitals by any means. No, he's not trying to actively do that. Again, he's a doctor. He knows better, but he's going after the 340B program. He's going after a program that benefits rural hospitals and rural Louisiana patients, particularly rural Louisiana Republicans, who, by the way, are largely his base. They are largely his base, or they should be. But Bill Cassidy is not acting in the best interest of a lot of his voters or the people of Louisiana when he goes after programs like 340B. And interestingly enough, as I mentioned last week, Bill Cassidy and his family, they have investments in the pharmaceutical companies. Those companies have given donations to Bill Cassidy. And then he turns around and he's openly critical of 340B and some of these other programs. And he wants to personally investigate them and go after them. That doesn't sound like a guy who represents Louisiana. That sounds like a guy who's serving the best interests of the big pharmaceutical companies. Again, the big pharmaceutical companies, they've made so many great advancements in medicine, their research, their development. They've done good things. Objectively, they've done good things. They've provided great things. But somewhere along the way, even committed capitalists like you and me, somewhere along the way, those, corporate, those companies that, that we supported, that we favored, they looked less toward creating and establishing and expanding business for the sake of providing service and more and more expanding it solely for profit. It's not to say profit's bad. I, profit's great. Profit allows wonderful things like reinvestment and expansion and growth and research and development. But a lot... A lot of these big corporations almost exclusively look at profit now rather than the product that can be given. And there's a lot of horror stories from within big pharma, from within the industry about what has been researched, what has been developed, what has made it to market, what hasn't because of profitability. And they do not want to offer their drugs at reduced rates. They are trying to sue the, they're, they're trying to sue the federal government to stop it. To his credit, Jeff Landry was one of the attorneys general who uh, fought against these uh, pharmaceutical companies that were trying to shut off these programs in these states. But we really do need a senator in, in Washington, D.C., who's in favor of, of rural Louisiana, rural Louisiana hospitals, rural Louisiana residents, and not on the side of Big Pharma over his own constituency. 
Rural hospitals in the state are at risk, big time. Let's take a break. We'll be back in just a moment on the Joe Cunningham Show. But first, we do have your pest of the day. And your pest of the day is going to be an entire newspaper. We're talking about the Miami Herald. My buddy Brad Slager over at Red State has this story. There's one decision that uh, tourists make in, in Miami that is being deemed as racist. And this is an issue being covered by the Miami Herald. In its all-out effort to shed spring break crowds that are largely black and Latino, the city of Miami Beach, under new leadership, has gone too far this year. No matter how hip the breaking up with spring break campaign seems to be, the optics of cracking down on everyone to punish unlawful acts of lawmakers are awful. White city leaders and police forget that by closing public garages in South Beach, allegedly as a tactic to stem violence, they will have the result of shutting out people of color so evoking the ugly racial history of acts to discourage blacks from using Florida beaches. In other words, as Miami tries to crack down on unlawful acts and crime and all the debauchery that comes with spring break, no, somebody wants the debauchery to keep going because it's racist to want otherwise. And the Miami Herald seems to be all on board with it because they are covering it from from the perspective of this person who thinks it's racist. And that is what makes... The Miami Herald, as well as these uh, critics of the city of Miami's policy, your J&J Pest of the Day brought to you by J&J Exterminating, Louisiana's largest independently owned pest control company. Find them online at JJEXT.com. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542 is the number if you want to call in or use the KPL app chat. Shout out to Rob who uh, points out that Bill Caster should take a page from the Mitch McConnell playbook and let the sun set on his public service career and allow for more conservative Republicans to strengthen Louisiana and the GOP's future. Rob, your lips to God's ears on that one. Also, shout out to uh, Scott, who checked in earlier, and Billy in Church Point checking in just a few minutes ago on the KPL app. You can join in the conversation there. I reply on, on the app and on air when I can. Uh, to your commentary. So uh, appreciate you guys for reaching out, being part of the show. By the way, the show, this hour brought to you by our friends just around the corner. They are Acadiana's largest, uh, I'm sorry, they're Acadiana's uh, number one Chevy dealer nine years in a row. They have one of the largest selections of Chevrolet, uh, of Chevrolet vehicles in the state. I am talking, of course, about service Chevrolet. 1212 Ambassador Caffrey and Lafayette. You can check out their inventory online, servicegm.com. They've got it all from the new and used inventory, which you can see online and on the lot, and more inventory coming in pretty much daily. But they also can meet your needs when it comes to parts and service. Uh, They've got a body shop, a collision center. They've got fine line custom auto. They've got the wash. All of your needs when it comes to your automotive can be met at Service Chevrolet. That's why they have been serving your family for 50 years and they want to serve you as well. Check it out. Find new roads with Service Chevrolet here in Lafayette. Let's go ahead and take this break. When we get back, Michigan. The Michigan primary was last night, and there's some data in there that we need to talk about and kind of go over why it spells more trouble for Joe Biden. We'll have that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation or 
use that KPL app chat like uh, we've had several people doing throughout the day today, uh, keeping up with the conversation. So I want to turn the conversation now to Michigan, not exactly a local story, but uh, there is a lot to go over from the Michigan primary. And I don't want to focus on the Republican primary at this point, barring a heart attack or some other act of God. Donald Trump is going to be the Republican nominee. And I think the there's this idea that Nikki Haley, and, and this may be the strategy, Nikki Haley is sticking around, and should Trump be uh, convicted and sent to prison in any one of these trials. But the problem with that is the idea that Trump could be convicted and even sent to prison is already kind of baked in to what we're seeing in the polling, what we're seeing in those primary results. And I don't think uh, I don't think there will be that many Republicans leaving uh, uh, Republican voters leaving uh, just staying home if things continue the way they are with the Biden administration. I think that loyal base, those, those regular Republican voters, I think they still show up based on the policy decisions of the Biden administration. I think they're going to look and they're going to, in their minds, weigh the lesser of two evils. I want to focus, though, on Joe Biden, because this is a pretty serious thing. You know, when uh, Barack Obama, 12 years ago, was running for reelection in Michigan, the primary in Michigan, he uh, he lost about 10 percent of voters in the Michigan primary. There were there were about 10 percent who were uncommitted. Uh, last night, Joe Biden picked up a protest vote of about 20% voting against him. Doubled it. About 20%. He barely won 80% of Michigan Democrats. There was low turnout among Democratic voters. They're just not excited. Part of the problem is the state's heavy Muslim population. They joined in with, with conservatives in organizing a protest campaign, which resulted in nearly uh, 100 thousand ballots being cast for uncommitted on the ballot. So uncommitted is actually on the ballot. And between uncommitted of Marion Williamson and Dean Phillips, Joe Biden lost about 20 percent of Democratic voters. There are a few reasons why the Muslim population is one of them. The, The Israel Hamas situation is playing a role, although I don't think it's as much of a role as a lot of other people are 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 saying, and I'll I'll get to that in a moment, Uh, Biden's electric vehicle mandate. I think that is a bigger part of it. I think that plays a bigger part of of what happened in Michigan last night than uh, the the Muslim community in Michigan. See, auto workers unions are very, very nervous about the Biden administration's push for electric vehicles. The cult of climate change has so captured the Biden administration that they're pushing for these electric vehicles without the guarantee that those vehicles are going to be built here in the United States. And that concerns a lot of the auto workers unions employees. Remember in 2016 union households in the rust belt in many areas were split between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Donald Trump is capable of winning blue collar workers, especially the union workers like, steel workers, auto workers, etc. 
Another part of it, I mentioned this story, maybe it was last Friday. I can't remember if it was maybe middle of the week last week. It was, it was one of the days when, when a UL baseball game cut the show in half. And I remember talking about this story. In a speech last year, Joe Biden claimed that his signature CHIPS Act, CHIPS and Science Act, would benefit Hemlock Semiconductor, a massive Michigan employer that builds and, 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 and constructs a lot of these, uh, these chips, a lot of these microchips and, and other aspects of technology here in the U.S. The company was actually cut out of the bill's benefits by federal regulators, by the Biden administration. And it infuriated workers in Michigan. Again, Hemlock Semiconductor is a massive, massive employer. In Michigan. I think the economic issues, I not not so much immigration like we see in other parts of the country, but I think that the more domestic issues are bigger problems for Joe Biden than the uh, the Israel conflict. I don't think foreign policy has that much to do with it, although it certainly isn't helping him. Rashida Tlaib uh Ilhan Omar, the squad, uh, the 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 pro Hamas wing of the Democratic Party, the anti Semitic aspect of the the Democratic Party, they think that they are rallying people against Israel. They're rallying people against Joe Biden for supporting Israel. Joe Biden's administration is actually starting to work more and more against Israel, trying to convince Israel to sign a ceasefire. And I think a lot of folks are focused on the Muslim community in Michigan. I don't think that a distant foreign policy is anywhere near as destructive to Joe Biden's chances of reelection as the EV problem, the microchip problem, the general economic problem, inflation, uh, Bidenomics, whatever you want to call it. Those those kitchen table issues that have uh, families, regardless of faith, creed, race, etc., the ones that are sitting at the kitchen table and they're looking at their bills and they're looking at uh, the cost of groceries still being high, they're looking at all the things they have to pay for and the, they're spending more money on. There was a, uh, an analysis that came out the other day. Americans are now spending uh, a lot more of their expendable income on food than they were before the inflation spikes that we saw. Things just cost more. Even though inflation is going down, things are still higher than they were. And so the Biden administration is dealing with these problems. And they understand they have a problem with Muslim Americans. They understand they have a problem with auto workers. They understand they have all these problems. But the Democrats have played the identity politics game for too long, and they have now stretched themselves too thin, and they have now made promises to one group that are at odds with another group, which is at odds with another group, and it just go, it just keeps going, keeps spiraling out of control. You have Georgia, which is still up in arms over the Lake and Riley murder at the hands, allegedly, of an illegal immigrant who had previously been arrested. That's 16 electoral votes that went for Joe Biden in 2020 that could very easily flip to Donald Trump in 2024. Michigan is 
21 electoral votes. How many electoral votes does how? Sorry, this is not professional of me. How many electoral votes Michigan? Uh, 16. Okay, 16. I thought it was 20 for some reason. 20 or 21. No, it's 60. So that's 32 electoral votes. Because of the blue-collar workers, because of the auto workers, if they go with Donald Trump, just imagine 32 electoral votes, 32 more electoral votes than what Trump is pretty much already guaranteed. That gives Trump a distinct advantage and, and narrows the field for Joe Biden to win re-election. And they know this, they understand this, they understand they have a problem, but they can't figure out how to fix it. Because now if you want to stop, if you, if you want to win back some of the states in the South and some of the Midwestern states that you've lost because of the illegal immigration issue, you have to issue an executive order. But by doing so, you've just admitted you could have fixed the problem already. You're already where you, you're stuck where you are. The Biden administration is stuck where they are because they have said for so long the border is closed, the border is closed, the border is closed. Then it's the Republicans' fault, it's the Republicans' fault, it's the Republicans' fault. He's the one who went in and undid Donald Trump's policies at the border. Had he not done that, he would not be facing this problem right now. If he had not go, gone so all in on electric vehicles, if his administration had not pushed so much on electric vehicles and green energy and all this other stuff for the cult of climate change, he wouldn't be worried about Michigan and its electoral votes and that it could swing Republican. We wouldn't be talking about Georgia being so enraged over the illegal immigration policy. Georgia, which is really far removed from the border, but the illegal immigration problem has expanded even into Georgia and is Potentially, and I think it very realistically has flipped the state of Georgia to Donald Trump. Michigan, because of the auto workers, because of EVs, could be a flip to Donald Trump very easily. The Biden administration has done this to themselves. They are now locked in because of their positions, trying to play these identity politics, trying to trying to make all these groups happy instead of working for the betterment of all Americans in policies that engage in more free exercise of commerce, religion, speech, etc. Their identity politics have possibly screwed Joe Biden over. Let's take a break. We'll be back in just a moment here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. By the way, want to let you know if you're looking for a dentist, I recommend mine. Dr. Danielle Deku is extraordinary. Her office, Dr. Danielle Deku and Associates, they just take the stress out of any doctor's appointment. I guarantee you're going to be relaxed and get all the work you need done there, and they're going to just do an absolutely phenomenal job. I love going there. They they have been nothing but excellent every time I've gone. Check them out, thelafayettedentist.com. That's where you go to find out all the services they provide. You go in, you tell them what you need. They can give you the consultation. They go through the basics, x-ray, examination, look at everything, and the work that may need to be done, can they can start working on as soon as that first consultation. It may take a couple of, couple of appointments, but they're going to get the work done, and they're going to get the work done right. You should definitely check them out. TheLafayetteDentist.com. That's Dr. Danielle Deku and Associates. Everything you need to know is online. TheLafayetteDentist.com. You will not be disappointed with what they can provide. 
before we go, um, I urge you to go take a look at kpel965.com. I, I ended up writing a story today about the issue I talked about yesterday with the uh, the the shortage of ADHD medicines. And I, I had several people who actually reached out via email, social media, stuff like that afterwards saying they had experienced similar things. There's a lot of folks who are experiencing some problems with these shortages of ADHD kit, uh, medicines for their kids. And it's super important that we raise awareness on this issue because there are a lot of kids who really just cannot function without that medicine. It's not just, oh, they're hyperactive, they can't pay attention, they have behavior issues or whatever. No, this is a neurodivergent problem. They, a lot of these kids cannot function in a school environment without that medicine. It's, it's not an overprescription problem. It, there's, there's a shortage. There's a lot of issues that are causing this, and it needs to be addressed. You guys have a fantastic day. I'm going to take off, be back in 23 hours. By the way, in 30 minutes or so, the broadcast starts for UL Cajuns basketball. The Cajuns will be take, uh, stepping onto the floor against Troy, so you need to tune in for that. Mark Levin, uh, in the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, email joe at redstate.com. I'm out. Talk to you again soon here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL.